this continued growth to value trade, I think, will favor international markets. In terms of how to play it, ZWE, which is Europe High Dividend Covered Call, this ETF is only down 2% this year. And that's pretty good when your broad datas are down 11 Welcome to Views from the Desk, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. In these timely episodes, we provide the latest investment news and expert commentary on the markets, the economy, and investing. Brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. This week, we're opening up the mailbag as our experts answer questions from advisors across the country and provide timely ETF recommendations to navigate the volatility. Today's episode features portfolio managers Chris Heeks and Alfred Lee, as well as your host Mark Rays, discussing the use of ETFs as portfolio rebalancing tools, positioning in international equity markets, the REIT sector, and low-volatility ETF strategies. Before we hear from the team, please consider subscribing to Views from the Desk on your preferred podcast platform. And for many more ETF insights and resources, visit the new and approved Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. Hello, and welcome to our BMO ETF weekly insight call with our team of experts. I'm today's host, Mark Rays, head of product for BMO Global Asset Management. I'd like to thank everyone for listening in today. We really appreciate your time once again. For today, we are joined by two portfolio managers from our ETF desk. We have Chris Heeks and Alfred Lee joining us. Thanks to both of you for making the time today. Morning, Mark. Thanks, Mark. Good to be here. Thanks, and good morning. Great. Well, let's get started. Uh, let's go to the first question where we just have the flows come in from month end. And looking at the year-to-date flows, we really continue to see strong ETF activity uh, despite the challenging market returns. So can you comment on advisors' use of ETFs as rebalancing tools uh, particularly in fixed income, where macro events have certainly dominated. And do you see any focus on a particular BMO ETF for rebalancing fixed income portfolios? Thanks. I would say it's definitely not surprising that we are seeing strong ETF flows year to date. I mean, uh, anytime you typically see a market decline, ETFs, I would say, have been you know an instrument, a choice to get investors you know, efficient access to to the market. Uh, fixed income year to date has been a good example of this where, you know, I'd say the increasing yield has definitely not been kind to the fixed income market. When you look at the 10-year uh, Canada yield, it's closing in at 3% this morning. It's essentially doubled year to date. Zag, as a result, which is our aggregate bond ETF, is down 10.8% year to date. Um, but when we look at the fund flows, the fund flows have been um, you know, in the north side of 550 million year to date in, in terms of net inflows year to date. So that's a good example of when, you know, the market has declined. A lot of investors use ETFs in order to get exposure to the market. Uh, but when you met, mentioned rebalancing, I would say Zag in itself is a good tool for rebalancing. I would say, you know, when you take a look at your typical, you know, prototypical 60-40 uh, portfolio asset mix and using ZCN, which is our, you know, TSX composite ETF, as a proxy for your equity side of your portfolio, ZCN is down, or ZCN is roughly flat year to date, which means that you know when you're looking at your asset mix, you're probably overweight equities at this point. So, you know, ETFs like Zag, I think, are a good way for investors to you know quickly rebalance their asset mix and get them back to their 
you know, 60, 40 target allocation or whatever target allocation they choose. Um, you know, when you look at Zag, it's cheap, but it's, it's efficient. It's one of the most liquid bond ETFs in Canada. Um, but that's likely why we're seeing strong inflows into ZAG. Um, in addition to that, when you look at the yield to maturity on Zag, it's at 3.5% right now. It's the highest we've seen in, in years. Um, so likely, you know, when you look at some equity investors and asset allocators, they might be looking at that yield to maturity and seeing it as a you know, 65 basis point pickup in terms of yield over the TSX. Um, so I, I think some investors are you know, potentially looking at bonds as a way to take risk off the table as well. Um, but in terms of you know, fixed income ETFs on our product shelf for rebalancing, I think there's some other ETFs that a, that a lot of advisors are using as well. Uh, ZCS and ZTL in particular. So ZCS, which is our short corporate bond ETF. Um, I think this is a, it, it, it's very popular with, with retail advisors, given that it's an easy way to minimize duration risk. It tends to be, you know, the comfort zone for a lot of advisors. Uh, it's a good way to minimize volatility, given it's shorter duration, but at the same time, maximize yield as it uh, invests exclusively in Canadian investment grade uh, corporate bonds. Uh, year-to-date inflows into ZCS have been about 100 million year-to-date. So, even though we've seen you know negative performance in the fixed income market, we have seen strong inflows into this one as well. The other one I would highlight is ZTL, uh, which is our long-term U.S. Treasury ETF. Slight inflows into this one year-to-date, even though the performance has been um, you know pretty negative year-to-date. Uh, the performance year-to-date's been negative 18.7% given that it does have a duration of 18.5. I would say this is a very different trade, however. Seeing a lot of investors allocate to ZTL, it's more it's more used as a hedge against equity market volatility. Um, since it does have strong negative correlation to the equity market, uh, people are allocating to ZTL as a way to offset you know, that black swan event in case um, the market does turn over here, given that some investors are concerned about an economic recession uh, since we did have a near inversion of the Canadian yield curve a couple of weeks ago. Great. Thanks for that, Alfred. Certainly a lot of challenges in fixed income, as you say, the the 10-year now approaching 3%. Doesn't seem all that long ago we were talking about it breaking through 2%. So, yeah, a lot of rebalancing going on with, with fixed income markets. And ETFs provide those efficient tools to do so, no matter uh, what exposure you're looking at. Does market volatility have you wondering where to go to ride out the storm? Not all cash equivalents are created equal, and BMO's money market and ultra-short-term bond ETFs offer several high-quality options to park client cash. To learn more, visit BMOETFs.ca and search for tickers ZMMK, ZST, and ZUS, or read our latest product insights. Let's switch over to equities, where we've got some advisor questions coming in on positioning international markets. As you look at the underperformance of ZEA, our international equity ETF, compared to ZSP, our, our U.S. S&P 500 ETF, do you point more to regional and country exposures, or do you think more about security selection in, in sectors? And as you answer, uh, what do you view as a catalyst to potentially reduce the performance spread as we look forward? Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Mark. International equities obviously have not been immune to the challenges this year. If you look at it year to date, it's actually about the same with EFI and, and the S&P. Uh, those ZEA and ZSP are both down about 11%. Uh, 
certainly the U.S. has had the edge when you move that time period back one year, two year, three year. Um, and we all know the strength that U.S. stocks have had over kind of the last several years. Uh, but you know, when you're looking at that underperformance, you know, I really think it's, it's a mix of, of both regional country as well as sector and security. It's kind of all of the above. If you look, you know, on a one-year basis, some of the weaker countries within EFI, you have Germany, Hong Kong, Sweden, and Japan. You know, I'd look at Germany and Sweden, obviously quite impacted by the Russian-Ukraine conflict, Sweden bordering Russia and Germany, you know, economically impacted by, uh, you know, some of the strain on the supply chain and the energy uh, that they get from Russia. So uh, geopolitics, you know, obviously we couldn't talk about international stocks without geopolitics, certainly weighing on some of the countries uh, within EFI. Uh, so you, you, you'd go edge U.S. there. Um, in terms of the sectors, you probably you might switch back the edge to EFI right now. Um, and the sectors, and the reason I say that is this trend of growth to value that we've been talking about, you know, kind of egged on to a sense by higher interest rates. That's really benefiting uh, some of the sectors within EFI in Europe, uh, whereas we know the NASDAQ and the, te- the tech sector and the heavy tech sector weight in the U.S. has been under significant pressure. The NASDAQ's down 20% this year. So that's actually, and, and, and that's what Europe's known for, better value characteristics than the U.S. So uh, some of the telecoms, uh, the staples that are overweight in Europe, those are benefiting. So that growth to value trade is actually working out. Um, you know, the other challenge is, you know, I, I think I'll just go back to the, you know, geopolitics. It's We're seeing PMIs, you know, so measures of economic activity, um, you know, weakening a bit in Europe. Still at 55, so that's not bad. You know, you want to be above 50. Uh, but the U.S. is actually ticking up. So it's a bit of a mixed bag out there. Uh, you know, our own asset allocation team is a bit underweight, EFI and, uh, and EM for that matter, due to, you know, largely these geopolitical risks. Um but, you know, I think, you know, it still makes sense to have some in your portfolio uh, just for the diversification. So, um, you know, in terms of the catalyst that can kind of turn it around, you know, like I said, valuation is always attractive uh, with with Europe and EFI. And the PEs and price to books, they trade naturally at a bit of a discount to the U.S., but they're even below that natural discount. So they're, they're, they're a little bit out of touch. And we've seen how Canadian uh, equities have benefited from closing that P.E., uh, gap. So this continued growth to value trade, I think, will favor international markets. And, and I think the big one, the obvious element in the the elephant in the ring, excuse me, is is Russia and Ukraine. And if we get if we get some stability there, and you know, uh, ceasefire, uh, some kind of agreement in terms of you know a path forward there, I think that's that's going to be quite bullish for for international equities. In terms of how to play it. ZWE, which is Europe High Dividend uh, Covered Call, this ETF is only down 2% this year. And that's pretty good when, when your broad betas are down 11. Again, the, the, with the Covered Call strategy, you can benefit from some of the volatility that's around you by collecting more income uh, more efficiently as well. And then that dividend underlying uh, strategy is really benefiting from this, this, this factor rotation to value. So we're seeing our dividends across you know, across the global markets, dividends are outperforming. So it's kind of winning on both sides, on the volatility and collecting income and on the dividend side. So, you know, for, for investors who are looking to dip a toe, I think that's, that's a place where we can potentially see some, some added value from, from a couple of those factors as they continue to play out. 
certainly uh, noting with your country comments, it's not just uh, European countries. So perhaps on a later call, we'll touch in on uh, Hong Kong and Japan. But let's turn back now to Canadian equities. And we've been asked to provide an update on ZRE, our equal weight Canadian REIT ETF, where we've seen a pretty significant pullback in April. Can you comment on what is driving that performance? Thanks. Yeah, so surprisingly, REITs are um, down so far year to date. Um, last year, when we saw the performance on ZRE, uh, it was up 34% on a total return basis. Uh, so far, your date ZRE is down 8%. Um, but the way I, I view REITs is it's, it's almost like the corporate bond of the equity world. I wouldn't say it's a replacement for corporate bonds, but I would say it reacts to very similar um, factors. So when you look at you know the interest rate component, it almost has like a duration exposure, where there's you know, when you look at real estate, there's you know, debt financing. It's a, a big part of funding real estate. So higher rates will have um, tend to have an impact in terms of carrying costs. Uh, there's a credit aspect as well. So lease and rentals tend to ebb and flow to a degree with, with economic activity. Um, but, you know, we started selling off, you know, um, some, sometime in April. Um, I would say that's when, you know, interest rates really started ramping up. So that definitely had an effect on, on the REIT sector. Uh, credit spreads have recently widened as well, which is a reflection of the concerns on the overall economy. Um, I think, you know, I mentioned the near inversion of the yield curve. I think that definitely spooked a lot of investors in, in terms of, you know, um, the economic outlook in, in Canada. But when you look at the, you know, REIT sector as a whole, I would say it's, it's hard to see how this sector hasn't really, really already, you know, faced the worst challenges already. I mean, when you look at the office and retail space, I think those are good examples where, you know, the pandemic lockdowns, you know, knock on wood, I would say, are likely behind us at this point. Um, I would say, you know, much of the uncertainty in the office and retail space is, is definitely being lifted at this point. Um, when you look at the office space, um, I think a lot of people are coming back to the office at this point. You know, anecdotally, just when I'm walking around in the concourse now, um, essentially coming back to life. When I compare that to a year ago, when I had to, you know, occasionally come back out, come uh, downtown, it was almost like a ghost town then. Um, so I, I think that's good for office, I think. If retail um, rates are definitely coming back to life as well, more foot traffic in malls. I think that's good for names like RioCan. Uh, RioCan is up 2.2% year to date. Uh, CT REIT, which is Canadian Tire, that's up 1.9% year to date. Um, and even when you look at names like Dream Office REIT, you know, it's hard not to get excited about you know, names like this, given that they do have notable Western Canada exposure. And we've all seen you know, the development out West higher oil prices, I think that's going to be supportive for cities like Calgary. Um, you know, Calgary is looking to diversify its economy outside of energy. So looking at things like tech and clean energy, uh, the residential real estate market out there has been hot as well, which I think is good for um, the office space, given that uh, it does mean, you know, more people moving to Calgary, more jobs. Um, and even when you look outside office and, and retail, I think names like Chartwell and, you know, the healthcare type REITs, um, they should be relatively steady, steady over the long term. So I think all the concerns about, you know, the REITs, which I think is weighing on, on the REIT sector right now, I think it's overdone. As I, as I mentioned, it's you know, hard to imagine a scenario where, you know, the pandemic wasn't already the worst case scenario. I think what we're likely seeing over the last couple of weeks is, you know, some profit taken, um, given that we did see some pretty strong gains in the REIT sector um, over the last year or so. Um, so, you know, when you're getting exposure to the REIT sector, I think equally weighting that that exposure is a good way to play it. 
when you look at a market cap weighted ETF or an index, the top five names in the REIT sector make up more than you know 50% of that index or ETF. So you know, equally weighting is, is a good way to get that sector exposure, but at the same time, you know, also minimize that company specific risk as well. And not to mention when you look at the distribution yield on ZRE, it's coming in at about 4.3% right now, which is pretty attractive. And so I think the REIT space pretty attractive overall. And I think, you know, some of the concerns are potentially overdone at this point. Great. Thanks for that update, Alfred. Certainly a lot of interest going on in that space, watching that uh, pullback potentially for an entry point out of the portfolios. As advisors grapple with rising interest rates, market uncertainties, and the impact of geopolitical tensions, advisors are looking to provide uncomplicated, diverse solutions for their clients. Join portfolio manager and investment strategist Alfred Lee as he explores one sector to consider, commodities, with a focus on oil and gas, gold, and base metals. This special webinar streams Thursday, April 28th at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Register today at BMOETFsForum.com. I want to come back and ask another question back to equities, where advisors have certainly been drawn to the outperformance of ZLU, our U.S. low-ball ETF, uh, compared to the broader market. So can you comment on what is driving performance based on both sector and security selection? Thanks. Yeah, for sure. And it's markets like these that you see that attractiveness of the low volatility strategy for sure. Um, yeah, nowhere has it been more apparent than the U.S. Uh, if you look at year to date, like I mentioned, uh, the broad beta is down about 11%. ZLU is actually up uh, 1.5, so on the on the low vol strategy. So that's over a 12% outperformance. Uh, if you look on a one-year basis, ZLU is returning 15% uh, versus the index at six. So um, you know, very productive uh, exposure for investors and, you know, really doing what it's designed to do, which is give exposure to equity upside, but mitigate the risk on the downside. Um, so when you talk about, um, you know, some of the sectors that have been in play, you know, we discussed that rotation out of growth, uh, tech and NASDAQ down 20%. Um, as we know, tech has become a bigger portion of the main index, and that's, that's obviously been a drag the low volatility strategy is underweight that more cyclical, higher beta sector. So underweight tech has been a benefit. And just that preference back to more defensive stocks, uh, more value-based stocks, stocks with better cash flows has been beneficial. So uh, we've really started to see that investor rotation into utilities and consumer staples. It's something where, you know, I think as investors are concerned about, you know, various risks out there, you know, possibly there's some kind of slowdown, you know, out in the future. Uh, there's interest rate being hiked up and causing volatility there. Um, it's really the defensive stocks that have uh, been in favor. So, yeah, very strong performance for, for the ZLU. Uh, we're seeing pretty good performance across all of our low volatility strategies on a relative basis, but uh, ZLU is definitely the largest a couple of names I'd highlight, you know, first, the names that we don't own. Um, and there's, you know, a few high flyers have, have really come back to earth. And, uh, you know, top of the list that I see is, is Facebook or Meta Platforms, as they're known now, Amazon, NVIDIA, and Netflix. You know, uh, well, at least three of those four companies, very disappointing earnings. 
and just in general, stocks that have been really impacted from this move away from growth probably were ahead of their skis and are still repricing. So not only those, again, that's a big benefit to the fund. And then back on the, the defensive stocks, um, you know, we're seeing them outperform in like Dollar Tree, for example. Um, Dollar Tree is a classic stock that we have in the low volatility portfolio. And in markets like these, um, that's a trade that makes sense as there's economic pressure, there's inflationary pressure for for consumers, obviously, a Dollar Tree is positioned to outperform Kroger, grocery stores. We see grocers do well, and you know a bunch of utilities doing quite well, like Consolidated Edison would be an example of one that's performing quite well. Uh, but you know those inelastic kind of more defensive companies. So yeah, as we look forward, uh, you know we think there's there's still going to be a lot of volatility this year uh, for from a, from a bunch of different factors. But you know the big three being you know interest rates, inflation, and, and uh, Russia Ukraine. Um, you know, definitely you can see the benefit of having some low volatility in uh, exposure amongst your equities in markets like these. So a great start to the year. And it's, you know, it's a trend where we think might be rotating back here after a long kind of uh, emphasis on growth stocks in the U.S. Certainly that's, that's repricing uh, a little bit this year. Low volatility benefiting from that trend for sure. Great. Thanks for that update, Chris. Certainly a lot of interest when you when you look at the performance, as you say, on, on ZLU. And as markets have been quite challenged, a, a good opportunity there to alleviate some of that concern by using a more defensive low-ball strategy. Well, that's all the questions we have that came in for today. So I'd like to thank Chris and Alfred for joining us. Really appreciate your time and your responses. Of course, thanks goes out to everyone listening in. Uh, we really appreciate your time and thanks for joining us. And with that, just want to say have a great day and we appreciate your time. Thank you to Mark Rays, Chris Heeks, and Alfred Lee for joining us on the BMO ETFs podcast. Today, we heard about the BMO Europe High Dividend Covered Call Hedge to Canadian Dollar ETF, ticker ZWE, which may benefit from both volatility and a factor rotation to value. Our experts also discussed the BMO Low Volatility U.S. Equity ETF, ticker ZLU, which has outperformed the broader market by over 12% year-to-date, providing exposure to equity upside while mitigating downside risk. For more information about the ETFs discussed in this podcast, check out the episode notes, contact your regional BMO ETF specialist, or visit the new and improved Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. That's bmoetfs.ca. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio managers represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice to any party. Investments should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives, and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statement that necessarily depends on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance. Views from the Desk has been brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management.